Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for me, for this opportunity. Uh, just bless these words, Lord, that uh, they would be from you and they would touch hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about forgiveness today. Pastor has been speaking intermittently about forgiveness and, uh, last week. Uh, I was out the week before. Uh, so I thought today that I'd build on that a little bit or, or maybe add a few things in. Okay, add a lot of things in. All right. So let's start by going through some of the basics. Jesus Christ came to earth. It's the greatest gift that God has ever provided us. There are several aspects to that gift. First of all, Jesus' time on earth was filled with so much giving of himself to us. He was the greatest example for us, the best example for us. He taught us how to follow him and to do the things we need to do to show our faith in him. He gave us instructions on how to love because there wasn't a whole lot of love among people before he came. I mean, people loved each other, yes, but not a community, not a church, not a synagogue, just people loving each other. And fourth, he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And at the Last Supper, Jesus made it clear that that is why his blood was going to be shed. He said, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We celebrate that once a month, sometimes more as a church that remission, that removal of sin that's on our account. Now, having said that, consider there's words that have different meanings. If you look up remission in the Bible today, uh, which is how the word forgiveness was translated, it means something totally different than forgiveness. So I appreciate the NIV putting it that way. We also come across different words that mean different things to people, whether it's context or professions or whatever. And as I began to study theology years ago, it became very clear to me that they used, those, those smart guys used big words that I had no clue of. Um, and that's true in a lot of different cases. Consider if I were to ask you for a steak, what would you bring me? Beef. Beef. But if I was setting up a tent, what would you bring me? If I was a bum on my way out of town, what would it be? This is an older use of the word steak, but it'd be some money to travel on. Right. So there's different meanings. 
the words canon and canon have different meanings to a military guy and a theologist, right? Doctors have special, they got a language all their own, man. You know, uh, the anterior subcranial flux capacitor or whatever, you know. Fundamentalist means something different to a theologian and the Seattle Seahawks looking for a new coach. You know, there's just, uh, I'm sorry, Pastor. You're going to miss the game today, aren't you? Nah, 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 nah. Vicarious atonement, I had no clue. I argued with the doctor one time about what does vicarious mean, and it means totally something different to a medical doctor than it does to a theologian. And the word vicarious simply means to be done in the place of something else. You know, um, as a construction superintendent, I could say, I built Corcoran State Prison. In reality, I didn't pound a nail, set a pipe, place or finish concrete, pull a wire. I didn't even put in a light bulb. Mike actually did more work out there than I did. Physical work. I told you I was gonna mention you today, Mike. Don't look around like that. But using that word vicarious, I could say I built Corcoran State Prison because I was there. And I superintended stuff. In the same way, I can say my sins are paid for. I didn't pay for it. Jesus Christ paid for it. Every sin. Then that word atonement comes in. The first time I heard that word, years and years ago, it was explained to be at one month. And that was from a new age type who thought that was a level of, uh, I'm going to be at one with the world. It's not what it means at all. It means the payment of sins. It means everything I needed to do to pay off those sins was done, but I didn't have to do it. That's the vicarious part. Everyone in this room, if you're a Christian, your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. Every person in this world, if they're a Christian, their sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. Everyone in the past who believed in God had faith. Their sins were paid for by Jesus Christ. And everyone in the future who becomes a Christian, their sins are paid for by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.17 says, For this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful 
and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Then there's another big word, justified. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means nothing like we mean it, like it's meant in the Bible. So if you come across that word, don't look it up in a dictionary unless you use the 1829 version, and it has a a clearer meaning in that. But I don't carry the 1829 version of a dictionary around with me all the time. It's too big. Doesn't fit in my pocket. So, but when you hear the word justified, it means just as if I never, just as if I never sinned. We are justified. Just think about that. Just as if I never sinned. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why were we still sinners? Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? That's everybody. How many people here don't sin? Just to show a hand real quick. We all sin. It's in our lives constantly. Whether it's our thoughts, our deeds, Bad emotions come up. We all sin. Yet, they're not held against us when we confess. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so no man should boast. Think of that. Grace. Anybody can explain grace to me in one word, two words? You look that one up in the dictionary and it says um, magnificent function and form in a person. When you read it in the Bible, think of it as unmerited favor. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. But God gives it when he calls you to him. Unmerited favor. And I'm just trying to simplify things and go over things so that we have a good understanding of where we're going in this idea of forgiveness. Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is not a noun it's a verb it's something we exercise it's something we do it's like jumping in a car and driving to a destination faith is the vehicle that gets us where we want to go with Christ that shapes and forms our lives we act out of faith to do the things that we're supposed to do. God gives us a command, I can't do that. Well, faith can allow us to do that. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ Jesus who who strengthens me. That doesn't apply to the Seahawks, Pastor, okay? 
um, it applies to the faith in our lives. We can do all the things God wants us to do through the power of that faith. We can't see it. We trust that all this is true, that Jesus was who he said he was. The God of the Bible is who he said he is. I talked to someone recently who said, well, my God wouldn't do that. Well, you're not, it's not the God of the Bible you're looking at then. God does what he wants. God puts us in difficult situations to do what? To increase our faith, to teach us patience. And it's hard, and we get scared. We had a garter snake in our yard last night, yesterday afternoon. Now, I like snakes, okay? I paid my way through college, first couple years anyway, by catching snakes and turning them in, and, and I'd get 50 cents a foot or a buck a foot, you know? They're a certain kind of snake because of their, their venom was a hemotoxin and a neurotoxin. Both the anti-venom worked the same way, and they were valuable to the military because they're off in weird places. So I got to know snakes quite a bit, and I like snakes. Most people, when they see a snake, let's just say they're not the happiest people in the world. Luckily, this one made its way over to my neighbor Mike's yard, so he can deal with it now. <laughs> I love you, man. Faith. It gives us the ability to do the things God wants us to do. And then consider this, our salvation is a shared salvation. And we've talked about that a little bit today. You know, we all get the same salvation. The guy who's been a Christian for, you know, he's 90 years old and he came to Christ 80 years ago. And the 90-year-old on her deathbed who comes to Christ in seconds before passing, we all get the same salvation. All of us. And that's pretty awesome. Jude 1.3 says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to us. Contend for the faith. To fight for the faith. To put that faith in front and go for it and do the things God has called you to do. So many times we are so afraid to step out and do something. You know, you're sitting there in church and there's somebody you never met in front of you and you go, should I say something or not? Should I introduce myself or not? Do it. How do we know they're, how do they know they're welcome in church unless we welcome them? All those hard things for us to do. None of us are perfect in our walk. 
I can say this, I've been a Christian for quite a while. I don't sin as much, I hope. But it seems I'm much more aware of my sin when I do sin. It smacks me a lot harder across the head. And it's hard to deal with. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may, hold, may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on towards a goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. If you got guilt from your past that you're still carrying, let it go. If God forgave you of it, why are you still hanging on to it? And yet so many people do. I talked about faith being an action. James 2.22, you see that faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. In other words, we don't do the things God called us to do for salvation's sake. We do those things because of salvation. We demonstrate in our lives that we're his through faith because we're saved. Second Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So everyone here, if you're a Christian, and I assume most of you are, let's say 99.9% .9 of you, because I don't know all of you, are Christians. And what that means, as Pastor spoke of last week, from Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he, he has removed our transgressions from us. Everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. So why bring all this up? Why the little primer on our salvation and our forgiveness from Christ and all that. Because for 11 years in my life, I pastored in a couple of churches. Before that, I became certified as a Nuthetic counselor. And, and what that means is that um, Nuthetic counseling, Nuthetic is a Greek word that means ad, uh, admonition, gentle admonition. Instead of, instead of going the psychology route to try to solve problems, we go to the Bible. And we bring God's word to bear on whatever issues people are dealing with. It just seemed like a much better way to do it. 
And so I got certified in that. So in about 40 years of dealing with us, with, with things, it seems like the hardest thing for folks to do is to forgive one another. Carry grudges. I had a lot of difficulties in life. Um, my uncle shot and killed my dad. The drunk driver who killed my cousin. My stepdad, who was simply a monster, abusive, physically, emotionally, all those things. So I understand why forgiveness comes hard sometimes. We get hurt, bullied, beaten, messed up on physically and mentally. Someone hurts somebody we're close to and causes problems. A drunk driver, a physical abuser, people die. I mean, it just, relationships are ruined and families destroyed. Things happen on earth because of sin. It's that simple. And I can't tell you the number of times Christians have come to me saying, I will never forgive them as long as they live. You ever had somebody say that? Heard somebody say that? And then the other side of that coin from a Christian, I messed up so badly in tears. I am so sorry, but they won't even give me a chance to seek forgiveness. They won't even give me a chance. And in my younger days, I've said both things. Boy, did I learn some lessons. <laughs> you know, you just do. So, how are Christians supposed to act in this area of forgiveness? Well, first, we're, we're to be forgiving people. Christ did so much for us by taking away all of our sins. How can we not give that to others? There is a passage. I'm probably going to go a little long, Pastor. I'm sorry. Let me get my Bible turned around. Peter came up to him, and I'll try to paraphrase the best I can to keep this moving, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, uh, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Remember that uh, the Jews held the line at three. Peter was being mag magnanimous. Is that the right word? Thank you, Pastor. See, he knows all the big words. And Jesus said, I say to you, uh, 70 times 7. We're to forgive over and over and over. And then he goes on to tell a story about the kingdom of heaven is like a rich guy who comes home, uh, takes account, uh, financial account from all his servants, and it's one servant uh, just owes so much money, he could never repay it. And the man says, well, man, I'm going to throw you in jail until you can pay. And the guy says, have mercy on me. I can't do this. I'm sorry. And the master says, okay, well, I'll forgive you of all of it. 
And that guy that was forgiven then goes out and has somebody that owes him money. And he throws that man in jail and his family, sold his family, because he couldn't forgive him. And Jesus says at the end of this, when the master found out, he says, and his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's a difficult thought, isn't it? If I don't forgive, I'm going to get the same treatment that the person I want, I won't forgive. I don't want to. Whoa. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Think about that. If you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive. That's a harsh statement. It's not one I particularly like. But my faith has to take me through it. And then to Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Whoa. Not when they come and repent. But when you stand praying, forgive them. Whoa. Is there a place for repentance? Absolutely. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you need to forgive. Let it go. There's the church discipline aspect of it. Somebody sins against you in your church, you're to go to them and talk to them about it. And Pastor mentioned this last week as well. And if he doesn't listen, take a couple of disinterested parties, witnesses, to go talk to him again. And if that doesn't work, tell it to the congregation. Church discipline, we don't do that anymore. Should we? It's a tough one, isn't it? But it's a command from Jesus. Hmm. You see, the goal is restoration. The goal is to help bring people together within that love of Jesus Christ. That's always the goal. Second, we're to completely forgive. Two verses. All right, four. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Whoa. You remember last week that east from the west thing Pastor talked about, that straight line distance? If I started walking and I started walking that way, 
I'd walk through the sun and out into the galaxy and never see what was back this way on that straight line distance. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Charles Stanley says this, clearly forgiveness is not to be given out in a limited fashion. It is to be abundant, overflowing, and available to all, just as the measureless grace of God is poured out on us. I hear so many people say, I'll forgive you, but I will never trust you again. I will forgive you, but I want nothing to do with you. Oh, what if God did that to us? Where would we be? And I'll grant you in our humanity, it, it's tough. It, it hurts our emotions and, and we don't easily trust and we're wary of those who hurt us. How do we get through that? Remember that word I mentioned a little while ago, faith? We get through it by our faith. By being obedient to God, trusting that he is who he said he was, when he was on earth and he's going to take care of things God's in control not our emotions and you know what if you forgive somebody out there and they don't come to Christ God is going to well they're going to be in a more of a difficult situation than you or I could ever imagine here on earth. God is going to punish far more than we ever could by our attitudes. God forgives completely. Third, we're to seek forgiveness and restoration. When we sin, and we do, and our sin affects someone else, we need to go to that person and seek forgiveness. Anybody ever heard the word apology? Do you know what that word means? For an apologist, it means to give a defense. And if you look up the word right now in the dictionary, Merriam-Webster Dictionary lists as synonyms for apology as alibi, defense, excuse, justification, plea, and reason. Think about that. I apologize, but if you hadn't done what you did, I wouldn't have done what I did. That's not seeking forgiveness. It's justifying your sin. And each of us makes a, a decision to sin. No one, no one 
No one anywhere can make us sin. No one can. We sin, it's on us. Someone cuts you off on the highway, it's scary, frustrating, it leads to anger. That's one of my sins, folks, I'm sorry. It just, you know, my poor wife and I driving down the road and almost getting run off by a truck who wants to gain one car length in a very short time. That's scary, and I honk my horn and I ask forgiveness. And then I may honk my horn again and say, God, I was on some really big construction sites as a superintendent. And in construction meetings, tempers can flare. People really get excited. And because we're construction guys, we're uncouth, we have no manners, we throw things. Tempers flare and yes, even mine. And asking forgiveness has an amazing way of calming a situation. I'm sitting in a meeting with architects and engineers and subcontractors and I say something stupid and I stop and, I, and everybody's getting upset and I, and I stop and I say, look guys, please forgive me for saying that stupid thing. Not an apology, not blaming it on someone else, just forgive me. And in all those years in construction, you know what? It just seemed to take all the anger and frustration out of the room. Because we're willing to admit our mistakes and ask forgiveness for our mistakes. I probably don't have time, but I want to tell you a story. Big Samoan guy. Big, big Samoan guy. Big Samoan guy on a construction project. His company was running behind schedule. It was a Saturday. If he's there, I have to be there. And he is a lather. And if you don't know what that means, he puts up all the metal wire and the trim pieces and all that on a building before you plaster it. And I walked by him and I said, dude, you got it in the wrong spot. Dude, it's wrong. I'm telling you, you're going to have to take it off. And then I got busy somewhere else and I came back, had the whole front of the building wrong. And I said, man, take it off and do it right. And as I walked back to my trailer, I heard a thunk and his axe hit the frame of the door right here and stuck. He was so mad. Was I scared? Big Samoan? Yeah. You betcha I was scared. But I didn't call his office. I didn't report him. In our next meeting, somebody mentioned that I was a Christian. I said, yeah, and all that. And 
And uh, he overheard. He was still angry. Two jobs later, he showed up. It was the Mervins in Burbank, California. That'll tell you how long ago that was. And I walked up to him and I said, are we gonna have any problems, big guy? And he turned around and looked at me and I'm a hefty guy. And he picked me up, literally picked me up and said, no man, I've become a Christian. And there were tears running down his eyes and there were tears running down my eyes because it hurt the way he was squeezing me. <laughs> Started going to a church, became a leader in that church in about 10 years. Ran the youth program in that church, big church. all because of an attitude of forgiveness. It's amazing what that can do. And then how many times have you heard the term, you just gotta forgive yourself? Anybody ever heard that term? Just forgive yourself. Why, do you sin against yourself? Do you have the power to forgive your sin against yourself. You know, that's a, a, a term that came up in the mid-70s in Christian circles because of psychology. And the fact is, there's only one verse in the whole Bible that talks about us sinning against ourselves, and that has to do with sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6.18. And I'd submit to you that it's not a fact that we need to forgive ourselves. We need to accept God's forgiveness. And when we do, the problem is taken care of. And by faith, we have to accept that. It's not about forgiving ourselves. It's accepting what God has done. Fourth, we're to have an attitude of forgiveness. 28 times in the New Testament, uh, there's mentioned the need to forgive someone in, uh, our, in 28 verses, 33 times. Another 12 times, the act of forgiveness is mentioned. In all those verses, there's only two that mention the necess necessity for repentance. Luke 17, 3 and 4. Most of the time, that repentance is for people coming to Christ. The rest of the time, we get these things that just forgive. If you stand there praying, forgive. If you're doing this, just forgive. Let it go. And I think that's mainly because that's the way God made us. We need to be forgiving people. I've seen good people, otherwise awesome people, eaten up inside from a lack of forgiveness. 
holding a grudge so strong that it hurts him. The weight of past offenses on people's lives, if they don't let them go, is horrible. The Mayo Clinic has this on their website. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make a way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, and improved heart health. Think of that. God made us in such a way we're not supposed to carry that burden like that. WebMD, those who score high on the forgiveness scale have less anger, depression, anxiety, and are at a lower risk for cardiovascular disease. So think about that. And when you think about forgiveness, use faith, give the problem over to God, and he's going to take care of us. He's going to empower us to do what we need to do, to give him the honor and the glory for what happens in our lives.